0: Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy, because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome back to being the Phoenix of your own life. So, um, you know, the universe works in very, very mysterious ways. My guest this week is somebody sent me a video and they said, Julie, check this woman out. And I watched it. And first of all, I cried because she's in my home state of Washington. Uh, The person who is doing the interview and the story on her is one of my favorite uh, reporters and journalists. And so I was hooked at the beginning and I saw her picture and about lost my shit and then heard her story and had to find a way to find her. So I found, I searched her on Facebook, I searched all over and I found her and asked her to be on the podcast. And she, by some miracle said, yes. I introduce people. I never do a good enough job. And if somebody sends me a bio, I feel like I'm reading it off of a dating site. I like long walks (laughs) in the park and holding hands blah, blah, blah. So I like my guests to introduce themselves. And this is probably one of the most amazing stories I've heard. And I am beyond honored to have Ginny Burton with us today. Ginny. So just give us a short, brief synopsis of who you are and what you do, and then I have a question for you. Yeah,
1: you know, that's always such a funny question to me. Who are you? And, and I've pondered that question so many times because I'm not what I've done. I'm not what I'm doing. Um, I'm, just, I'm just a woman who was born... You know, in certain circumstances, and uh, they were definitely challenging and adverse. And I have worked really hard to overcome those things. Um, and uh, I think who I am is I'm just transformation and progress. That's who I am.
0: Oh my God. See, you guys. Very simply. This is, I, you guys have no idea how good this is going to get. So, Ginny, I have a question <laughs> for you. So, On this podcast, you can cuss, cry, I don't care. It is uncensored, unfiltered, and all of the above. So we've all been in the shit pit of our lives. And some of us have been in there multiple times, and this is be the phoenix of your own life. So share with us a time that you were in the shit pit and how rising from the ashes has impacted your life now.
1: Yeah, I think that's a very tiny question. (laughs) Right? sharing, Sharing a time... Um a shit pit in life and a time, it's really hard for me to encompass. Um I, you know, according to social standards, my entire life up to about the age of 40 was a shit pit and the challenge definitely didn't stop there. Um I was born to a couple of addicts and um they didn't just have one kid and you know, despite my best efforts. I became my environment. Um, I was a walking contradiction in many ways. I, um, in my heart, at a very young age, I believed I was supposed to be something very different than what I had become. And so I lived sort of um, this double life, even though I was the same person in private as I was in public, but internally, I really believed that I was supposed to be doing something else. Um, And eventually, I just submitted to the things that I was experiencing. And what I mean by that is, you know, as a small child, I, I believed that I was supposed to be doing things that we would consider right in society, uh, being kind, um, not being dishonest, uh, not stealing, not using drugs, yet what was modeled to me and what was actually handed down to me by, you know, my parental figure, my mother, uh, because my father went to prison when I was four, um, it was it was very contradictory to what I believed I was supposed to be doing um, in the world. I felt like my spirit or, you know, I don't know, my conscience, it, it Everybody describes these things, I think differently, but, um, that was telling me that I should have been living very differently. And my life is a a series of events that showed me that patterns are created with or without our consent. And, um, and for me, that's really powerful, but you know, it's also very, it's a very simplified way to say that I was not being the person that I was in my heart. And, um, You know, in saying that also, I believe that uh, we tend to complicate our lives um, through what comes out of our mouth and how we choose to justify the things that we do. Um, And uh, I have over the last almost nine years, I have made the decision to Try to simplify my life and stop complicating it so that I can manage it, and um, and that's what I've done. And so, you know, I lived a really long time in active addiction, and as an addict, there were things that I had to do to support my drug addiction. Uh, there were behaviors that I learned from the people that surrounded me most of my life that did not make me feel like I was being my truest self. Um, by the time I was able to actually Surrender my life and the way that I was living it. I was 40 years old. Um, There was a tremendous amount of damage that had occurred throughout the almost three decades of my drug use. I started using uh, at an age younger than I would care to admit, because when I consider my own children at that age, it makes me very sad inside to think that an adult would ever introduce drugs to a child that was seven years old. And Um, you know, I, I think another thing that is really important for me to say is, is that I don't think I'm a victim. Um, I volunteered for the things that occurred in my life, even though I might not have had awareness around some of them. Um, I definitely made the choice to move forward with behaviors and, uh, choices that did not serve me in a way that helped me to have a pain-free life. Um, And I say that like that because I'm absolutely grateful everything that has occurred in my life. And if I had an opportunity right now to go back and change it, I wouldn't do it because I believe that I'm in a place today to be able to serve a whole lot of people by telling my story. That does not mean that I'm comfortable telling my story. It makes me feel naked and ashamed at times because my dirty laundry has been aired all over the world. Um, And, you know, so I've spent three separate terms in prison. I've been in jail uh, a significant amount of times, more than those three times. I have 17 felony convictions. I was the person that you feared to see in society because I would victimize you at the drop of a hat. If you were a new uh, arrival into the drug scene, I would very quickly take advantage of you and your situation while making you feel safe by doing it with me, Um, but at the same time victimizing you in a way that helped me to meet my own needs. Um, I was very despicable in a lot of ways. Uh, I abandoned my own children. I was unable to live up to the person that I was in my heart uh, as a parent, as a friend, as a significant other. Um, And that's not to say that my parents and the people that were significant in my life not including my children they were innocent victims to my um choices um but that is not to say that those people did not perpetrate things on me however that's just kind of par for the course you know that's one of the things that i signed up for and you know and there's a challenging statement too uh did I sign up for it or is it something that became familiar, you know? And I think there's a little bit of both, but I definitely made choices to remain in familiar settings for a really long time. And, and I caused a lot of people damage, including myself. Uh, The hardest part for me in all of the things that have occurred in my life is the damage that I did to my children. Um, One of the things that I know is that they have their own path. They have their own spiritual path and they have their own higher power. So they, this is my little stud kitty. (laughs) For those of you who can't see, my cat just jumped up right in front of us. And so um, anyhow, um, they were innocent victims and they do have their own path. Uh, But I definitely contributed to the challenges that they have um endured. Um but at the same time, one of the things that I know is that I've shown up very consistently for almost the last decade. And they treat me just like every other kid treats their parents. So I feel like I'm doing something right. You're, you're, uh, if,
0: hey, if your kids are pissed off at you and they're like, Mom, what the hell? Junior, yes. you're doing something right. So I yes. your your journey has been like after I talked to you, it, it was so funny. When I reached out to you, I thought I, she, there's so much out there on her journey. She, who knows if she'll want to talk to me, but I just felt such a pull to you because I just celebrated 32 years. Nice. You know, I've, I gave my first son up for adoption. I mean, I lived on the streets of Seattle for a time. So I identified with part of your story and, and I think that it is so important because there's so many people out there that are like, well, why didn't you just get help? And they don't understand from an addict's point of view and from an, an alcoholic's point of view, when you are, you have that innate, beautiful little girl that lives inside who has been squished down, squashed down and compacted. She doesn't know how to reach out because everything around her is so scary. What was the turning point for you? Because like you said, you've been in prison and and your picture of you graduating from UW, that, what the hell? You went from Mm -hmm. prison to graduating from one of the most prestigious colleges out there. What was that? What was that journey?
1: Yeah, so I appreciate what you're saying, and just to sort of get a little context, a little more to the narrative about, you know, um, why didn't you just get help? I, you know, for somebody that struggles with addiction that grew up in addiction, um, we what ask for help for what? Because you don't even know where to start, right? Nobody's taught me what I need, and so that's part of what makes it challenging, but. Yeah. So what happened for me is I did get a couple of opportunities over, you know, uh, that 30 year period to go to prison and get my life together. And even though the system itself didn't offer me anything, I had to really struggle and fight to try to find avenues to help me create myself. I, again, I felt like I was living a contradictory life and that feeling never went away no matter how high I got. So um, so during those periods of incarceration, I got the opportunity to, you know, pull myself together a little bit and, uh, and I got a taste of what it was like to live a different kind of life. I moved from Se- Tacoma to Seattle after my second trip to prison and Seattle's a lot different than Tacoma. And I learned oh, yeah. a little, I, you know, and I, and I, I had an experience in 12 step recovery and I learned what it was like to, Have a job and a place to live where you didn't have to worry about somebody coming in and sticking a gun in your face or going to jail. And I got a little small reprieve from the life that I was familiar with. So I think that was helpful. But at the age of 40, I just recognized well, first of all, when I relapsed at 38, I didn't want to be loaded. I didn't want to use. Uh, I felt compelled to use because of the circumstances I was in. I got myself into a relationship it was a domestic violence relationship. I didn't know how to pull myself out of it. And it just seemed to be the most logical way to escape my reality. But once I started using, I couldn't stop. And I think this this sort of ties into what you were saying before. Addiction is a big, big beast that is bigger than the individual. And for me personally, and many other people that I know, once you put it in your body, you lose the option to choose.
0: Yeah. All day done.
1: long. I know. And I it's wanted done. to be somewhere anywhere other than where I was. But once I started, I could not stop myself. And so uh, what happened was, is you know, for me personally, I have to commit crimes to pay for my drugs. I use a lot of drugs and it takes a whole lot of drugs to blot out the shame and yep. embarrassment and guilt yep. that is associated with turning your back on yourself again, screwing your kids over again, having to commit crimes or compromise my integrity, whatever that looks like, in order to feed my addiction. And so uh, when I was finally arrested, which is usually how it stops for me, uh, when I was finally arrested, I I knew it was over. I knew it was over.
0: And while Can I was you using... Feel a dr- sense of, Jenny, sorry to interrupt you. Yes, when you got arrested, no. Did you feel a sense of relief? Like, fuck, I'm done. I'm, oh, thank you for arresting me.
1: Yes, yeah, oh, absolutely. I've been very grateful to whatever police department it was that has stopped my uh, self-abuse on more than one occasion. But this time in particular, it was very different. And because I didn't want to be using, but I couldn't stop myself. And I definitely wasn't going to willingly go anywhere because the disease is bigger than I am. Yeah. And, and it was dictating my daily movements. And so, um, you know, and that's not to say that I was just like, oh, yay. I'm in, I'm going to jail now. No, I wanted to be <laughs> bailed out. My addiction wanted to get high, Right. But, I, but there was a deeper part of me that said, I'm done. I'm free. And it didn't matter. I was running from the disease. I was running from uh, uh, an abusive relationship where I was being terrorized. Um, and I was running from homelessness. And I'll tell you, um, because I became all of the things that I swore I would never become. Yeah. And because of that, as my disease progressed, I couldn't stand the woman that was looking back at me in the mirror. I hated her guts. I hated yeah. her. for. It was me that wasn't trustworthy. It was me that was letting, it wasn't anybody else. I was doing this to myself. And that is really, that was the turning point for me. Um, with no matter what, it did not matter. I was done and I was committed to surrendering. I just, it didn't matter what it took. I was not going to use no matter what. And, uh, and I continue that commitment on, and just on the sixth, which I think is is today the tenth, so four days ago. The ninth. So I have days and nights. Okay, today's the ninth. So I um, I have eight years, nine months, and three days clean.
0: So, congratulations. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much. And, and I try to reaffirm that commitment with myself on a daily basis. I just don't want to use today. And that's something that I can commit to. I have a big commitment problem. So if I try to make something last forever, I usually yeah. don't make it.
0: But well, yeah, dude, it's like on today. That's too big. That's too big. Yeah. Like if uh, there are days like, and people are like, oh, you've got 32 years. Yeah. But I got 32 years because every day when oh, I woke yeah, up, I was like, now. I don't, I don't want to do this today. I remember yeah. that woman and you know it's funny is that i didn't even own a full length mirror until a 2 years ago. Oh wow. Because even yeah. up until 2 years ago i was okay with me from here up yeah. but there had been so much abuse and damage and all that other stuff you know from chest down i just hoped that my outfit matched and and it looked good because for me there's that i identify with that self hatred and because mm-hmm. you know Somebody posted something the other day of of well you know you should love your children enough to get clean and you should love your children and I'm like you know quit shaming someone who cannot control what's happening with them that that when those drugs are in your system you will beg borrow steal you will do anything to put the chemical back in your body because. When the shame creeps up that day after, you want to do anything to get rid of it.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, and again, addiction is so much bigger than us. And when I put it in my body, that's not even me anymore. That's not me. And so would I harm my children by using or, you know, no, not me, but no. my addiction will. Yeah. And, you know, and just to sort of eliminate the shame for anybody that's listening that my, I used drugs when I was pregnant with my children. I don't feel good about that, right. uh, but I, I had no control. I mean, I would love to say that I did have self-control, but I really believe we do the best we can with what we have. Yep. And uh, you know, and the thing is, is that it does happen. You know, we smoke cigarettes, we drink coffee, we do things when we're pregnant with our children. Thankfully, my children all came out all right. When, but when I see certain things, I'm I blame it on my behavior when I was pregnant. Yeah. Um, you know, but there were some things that were occurring during my pregnancy that I had absolutely no control over. I mean, I suppose I could have left, but I didn't really know how to do that either, right? I wasn't equipped with the skills in order to do that. And and when it comes to addiction and alcoholism and people that that judge based on how we conduct ourselves, you know, we just get to be, we get to be grateful for wherever we're at and we get to pray for them. We get to pray for them because if they ever end up there, because that's how I've learned most of my greatest lessons is when I've had a judgment, a pointing finger at someone else, and then I get the opportunity to have that experience. Yeah. That is when I recognize the humanity in all of us. Yeah.
0: I think it's, it's interesting. I, I did a live yesterday on Facebook and was pretty vulnerable and shared some pretty deep things about things that had happened in my life. And the one thing that I've learned is that people are going to judge you anyways. It doesn't really matter what the hell you do. People are going to judge you. I think it's so important that we share our story, especially as women who have walked through the fire and we have Mm -hmm. gotten through the fire. And sometimes there's a little, there's a little inferno that we still have to walk through It's important for us to share our stories so that people know that they're not alone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot of power in that. I I really do. Um, And I think, you know, there were definitely years in my life or times in my life where I used to just curse God or the universe for how my life unfolded. And and I just want to reiterate, I'm so grateful because- Mm -hmm. I think that my entire story happened so that I can be of service to other people so that I can let people know that they're not alone. And that is one of the most beautiful gifts I've ever received in my life. And, um, you know, and, and that overpowers the shame, the frustration, the guilt, the embarrassment, yeah. it, it overpowers all of that. I get so many messages from people thanking me for being yeah transparent and if I can make one person in the world feel like like there's there's hope like there is a way out then then I've done my job and see and I'm just
0: literally could cry right now because that was my whole thing for my live yesterday is is that I shared with all the the stuff going on in Texas that my door is open for any woman that you know needs a safe place and and I shared that, that I'd walked in those shoes. And to me, if I can share anything that gives one person hope. And my mom asked me, I remember I'd been sober for clean and sober for probably, I don't know, 10 years. And she said, well, you know, Julie, would you, would you go back and change anything? Would you do anything different? And I said, no, and even now, where i'm at i'm fifty four years old and and I drug my kids through some serious shit and mm-hmm. you know my oldest son we've reconnected and and he's married and has my grandson and no matter what it's and I've said it before is the butterfly effect that movie with Ashton Kutcher where mm-hmm. he goes back and he just wants to change one little thing, but doesn't realize that if you change one little thing, the ripple effect throughout time and throughout all of the people with the energy that's entangled, you shift everything. Mm-hmm. And so everything. I, I love that you feel like that. So you went to college, you graduated from UW. So now what are you doing? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, so many things, Julie. <laughs> um, I am. What uh, can you share yeah, with us? So,
0: the things you can share. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I have just accepted a position with a program in the state of California. I can't share all of the details until we do a press release. And I've also accepted a position with the state of Tennessee. They're connected. um, And I will publicly share more about that soon. Um, I've also opened up my own LLC and, um, it's really sort of geared around intellectual property and content. Um, I haven't really created any content. I am in the process of writing a book. I'll keep you updated about that, but I'm also, um, doing speaking engagements across the nation when, and there are a significant number of programs that are starting to reach out to me. Um, I'm hoping that everything can overlap. And I'm also, which I'm sorry I have to be so vague, but I'm also in communication with a city, a very prominent city in the state of California, who wants to employ me to help with um, some prosecution, prosecutorial type of things. And so um, really great career opportunities. Again, I will announce that. I'll be a little more detailed about that later on in the year.
0: Um, So those are all really great. Yes, that right there. I get super excited and I cut people off. Sorry. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, okay. Oh I I am,
1: I'm familiar with those kind of uh, behaviors. <laughs> I do that all the time.
0: So, for those that are listening, and for those that have people in their life that have struggled with addiction, this is this is a perfect story and this is a perfect journey. That those people that quote unquote, those people that have done time or those people that have done this or that or the other thing that cannot be redeemed is utter bullshit. Yes. Because at the very core of every single person who may be behind bars and who might've gotten out of bars is a human being who Mm -hmm. didn't have a choice probably in their very young age and got caught up and after that, life happened. So when you meet someone like that, for the love of Peter, Paul, and Mary and everything that's holy, give them grace because you have no idea the potential mm. that sits inside that human being. Yes, yeah. And it's just, I mean, your story is, when you, when you answered me, I was like, I was so, I, I literally burst into tears because I was so excited because- your story hit me on a level that just was, I'm just so proud of you. Like I've never up until today, I never met you. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of the woman that you've become. And I'm so proud of the mother and the friend and the leader and all of the terms that, that you show up for. And I know it coming from that background sometimes can probably be pretty overwhelming. Like, Holy shit. How did I, how, you, you, you look up. It's some, weird, <laughs> right? It's
1: weird. You know, I just want to say, I was reflecting on something while you were talking. Um, uh, I've read a number of comments, not a lot. Most of what I read are pretty positive on social media, whether it's my posting or somebody else's, but, you know, somebody said, Oh, she must've had a good family to go to. I just, I want to say this, no, I grew up with two addict parents. Both of my parents are dead. Uh, I was in prison together with my mom twice. Uh, my siblings are all dispersed everywhere. The majority of us are addicts and alcoholics. Um, there are sex offenders in my family, which I don't judge what anybody's went to prison for. Uh, many of us have been incarcerated. Um, when I got out of uh, out of jail this last time, I was I was. Sit- Looking at my um, fourth prison sentence, and I was lucky enough to have been involved with a nonprofit that helped me get a private attorney. And I was able to get a community sanction of drug court. And that was probably one of the best things that ever happened for me because I had never received any type of support, not even when my children were taken by the state and I was begging them to help me. Get my life together, and they they absolutely ignored me, and and that is not to to make me look like a victim. It's just what it was, and and so I continued, you know, down a road of addiction. Which again, I want to say, I'm I'm grateful for the way that it's all unfolded, but I've worked really hard. Uh, Nothing was handed to me. I made these decisions, and the reason that I went back to school to go to UW is I was together with this man. I was clean for a few years at the time that he relapsed, and he. Uh, Did relapse and became pretty neurotic and, and pretty scary and paranoid and it resulted in him coming into my home and beating me um, almost breaking bones and things like that and I was able to call 911 during that process and the entire, that's all happened on. Of recording. Um, and then I was in a court process prosecuting him and trying to help him at the same time. And it was in during that time. And I was also supervising because I had went to work for social services. I was supervising three programs that were serving men over the age of 50. And many of them had perpetrated on women the same way that it had happened to me. And I knew I felt that the work that I was doing was insignificant in regards to actually helping people turn their lives around. And I also felt like the court system was not going to serve the person that assaulted me um, in a way that was going to help him get his life together, because I'm extremely familiar with penal Uh, Correctional, you know, institutions and things like that, uh, and what occurs inside of there and, and I knew that a change needed to be made I was really I became very interested in changing the lives of people that have had experiences similar to mine, by providing them opportunity not by giving them a handout which we're doing all over the place right now, but giving them a hand up and being really vocal. And the first, my first year on the campus at the University of Washington, I questioned my own lived experience because I was being indoctrinated by a narrative that I can say I don't agree with today. And, you know, over the summer when COVID and George Floyd and all those things happened, I was able to reflect on my own personal lived experiences and the people that I had been serving and all of those things. And I started to live my life even more out loud. I have consistently done so on social media throughout my entire recovery because it has allowed me the freedom to process my crap so that I can get the infection out of the inside of me, essentially by, because I believe that a problem shared is a problem cut in half the things that I keep in the dark grow bigger. And so I just really tried to minimize those things. And, you know, and so for anyone that thinks that, Oh, maybe she had it easy, somebody to help her. No, I climbed out of hell by myself, but that's not to say that I didn't have help. I've had support through you know, this nonprofit that I've been associated with allowed me the space to be of service to people in prison. Uh, 12 step programs have allowed me the support to be amongst people similar to myself that have stayed clean one day at a time. And they've modeled to me how to show up for myself. And then it's given me the freedom to be able to actually find myself. And what we're doing right now in our society is we're eliminating people's opportunities to be where I'm at. Yes. When we say that we're not going to do these things, that we have to wait for people to be ready. I was ready so long before I was ever able to stop. And I yep. couldn't stop on my own. Yep. And if there's a message that I would want anybody to hear is that, no, we need to be of the village We need to be the village in the same way that we would be with our own children. If you would not turn your back on your child in the way that we're doing in society, love doesn't look like enabling. And so we need to allow people similar to me that have spent decades on the streets, on drugs, victimizing other people, the opportunity to get their lives together, to arrest their disease and have enough time and space between them and the drugs. And then we need to, as a system, provide the necessary education so that people can take care of themselves once they get out. You know, and I think more what has happened for me. Yeah, that's what's happened for me over the this. time. I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, I can. And that's why I went to school because I knew that nobody else was having that conversation. Yep. So how can I serve others? And I just want to be able to help other people on such a massive scale. And it's, it's
0: funny because with what you're doing and everything you're doing, yeah, I just, it's going to be incredible. The, the footprint and the impact that you have for so many, so, so many. Thank you. So I would keep you on here for hours, but I know you have a metric ton of things to do. So I have a question for you. I think you will find this very interesting. So for the person who's listening, who might have a family member or might be in that shit pit to, to whatever degree it is, and they just are going, yeah, okay, all the, all the stuff you're saying is all well and great and good, but I'm, I'm dying in here. What would be one piece of advice that you would give to that person who really wants to get out?
1: My one piece of advice would be that, yes, you can, one day at a time, and I think the biggest message for me, I like I'm, I'm doing a group on Facebook. It's called Courage to Change, and and it's not just about addiction. It's about life. Is that often? And I, sorry, I feel like we can hear the dogs. I came outside so I could have a little bit better service. But um, our feelings only have as much power as we give them. Our thoughts and our feelings are associated with our experiences. They're not always credible in the situations that we're experiencing. And if we just sit still and don't act, it gives us the opportunity to make a different decision tomorrow. Sometimes our feelings feel like they're going to kill us. It's a lie. And it doesn't matter if I promise that if you allow a feeling to happen, you lean into it, you cry, you get angry, but you just don't respond to it. It's going to be different tomorrow. And that is kind of how I've lived my life one day at a time. And and I don't think I'm special. I don't think I'm doing anything unique. I know that if I can do it, anybody can
0: do it. Hell Yeah. Um, uh, I that is probably and it's funny because I've 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 interviewed quite a few people and everybody's answer is so different and and magical and and I love it um, I now for anybody's listening, I'm gonna have links to find Jenny her group I'm part of her group on Facebook it is beautiful she does a gratitude thing every day about gratitude and I love it I read it and I'm like yes yep 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 mm-hmm. so. I, I will put all the links to find her. And then, Ginny, when you get settled and when you get ready to announce stuff, I would be honored to have you back again and oh, yes. share anything that you would like. Perfect. Any last words?
1: Thank you so much for having me today. And I really look forward to folks finding us on the Courage to Change group. And um, please reach out. I try to respond to all of my messages on all of my social me- media platforms. Sometimes it takes a minute, but I will pop in and say hi.
0: Awesome, wonderful. Well, you guys, that's that, that's a wrap. It's another episode of Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, and telling you right now, you, I say it every time. I will continue to say it because I think we all need to hear it. That you are enough. You were born enough. You are enough. You will always be enough. And if you could only see the divine light that shines out from your eyes, you would never doubt your greatness again. Until next week, my friends. Take care. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved. You are treasured. You are adored. You are worthy. And you are so more than enough. I hope that you were inspired. And if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and have an absolutely magical day.